0: This is the Mosaic Church podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others in the world. Now, if you have been here, you you're gonna. This is gonna be a little bit of review. If you haven't, try to stay uh, and take notes. You know, I always tell my uh, I used to tell my college students, "What's more important, spiritual eternity uh, concepts." Or your biology class. Take notes. Both are important. Uh, And so it's important to take notes or at least begin to formulate in your mind what God is saying to us. Every Sunday we should say, Lord, speak to me. What are you trying to tell me? I tell you what's easy is a lot of times we say, Lord, I hope my neighbor is listening. But let's not do that. Let's say, Lord, speak to me. Uh, We are here to, to see what you have to say to us. Uh, Four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we started a message called Being Sent. And I read a whole bunch of scriptures of Jesus constantly saying to his audience, um, the Lord has sent him. He only does what, you know, God sent him to do this, and God sent him to do that. But we know that he came, uh, God sent him to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. To reunite uh, his creation uh, with God, and it can only come through Jesus. And so then the second part of our sermon series was Well, Jesus says, well, now that God has sent me, I am about to leave, I am now going to send you. And so we talked about what it means to be sent. You know, a God, um, Matthew 28 tells us uh, to go and make disciples. And so Jesus was being sent by the Father, and we talked about this in, in small groups. And then uh, now he is sending out his disciples to go and make disciples. And so um, one of the things is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And one of the things that maybe is an earmark of every believer is the joy of being found. You know, I talked about that one time I was in, in the phone booth and I got lo- uh, I, my parents couldn't find me in those days. Phone booth, you know, I was small and I closed the door and then you couldn't see me. The bottom part was solid. It wasn't all glass. And I was lost. And the joy of being found. So there's something that's a component of someone who has been saved is joy. Joy, unspeakable. The joy of being found. The joy of at one point being lost and at the other point, now being found, lost, there's distraught, you're confused, and then the joy of knowing that you are safe with a loving Father. So joy, there was a book written a long, long time ago, Christians, the Happiest People on Earth, and I don't know about happy, it seems to be, you know, it can be based on circumstances, but joy, in spite of circumstances, joy, I believe, is one of the key components of being a light to a world that's darkened with no hope when they see someone in spite of the circumstances, the joy, the joy of it. I have a friend of mine named Gary Miller, and, and I don't know if it's joy, but uh, it is joyful to watch him. He laughs at all sorts of things, and um, now I'm going to tell you a story about him. You might think it's a little crash, but uh, he laughed at basically at his brother's funeral. Um, he laughed at his dad's funeral. I'm like, and i like, I laughed that I think it's, he thinks it's funny. Uh, when I told the story in front of some friends, they, they were shocked. But there's something, I, so I, I decided to talk to him. I said, Gary, why do you laugh? You know, and it's like, your dad just passed away a few months ago. It's like, I, mean, I just have this concept of, that he's in, in eternity. I'm, I feel joy. And so there's something about someone who's filled with joy that I believe is an example, is a light to a world of darkness. Because it's easy to be overcome by our circumstances and not have that joy. Anyway, let's move on. So uh, he came back and uh, those who were lost and now been found marked by joy. Uh, one of the biggest challenges in the church is apathy. We just think someone else is going to do it. And the question I have is like you know, I asked you a couple weeks ago, think of someone who you think needs to hear the gospel message. And who is going to reach them? Who's responsible for that? I shared a story about that case in New York City where uh, it's, it's a very famous verse, Kitty Genovese, where she was, she, was, uh, she was killed. But it took like 45 minutes. And people saw the event happen, but everybody assumed that somebody else was calling the police. It's called bystander syndrome. If you're going to get mugged, you're better off just seeing one person watching you get mugged. They'll call the cops. The hardest thing... Is if you're in a group of people and they see you get mugged, they all are going to assume that somebody called the police. So let's not do that. So if we're not, if there are people who are lost who haven't been found, uh, and our responsibility is this time in, in history, this community that we are in. If it's not us, then who? If it's not now, then when? Who is going to do the work that God has called us? God sent His Son. Jesus is sending us his followers. And then we talked about a, a very famous scripture. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. Basically, he was saying he had no need. There was a person in the Bible, it tells us in uh, Luke chapter 16, there was a man who was rich. He had zero need. But there was a the guy outside his door, his, his, his yard, who was was sick. And uh, his name was Lazarus. And they both died. They both died. Sometimes we can be confused by what we see and thinking that there's someone who doesn't need the good news of Jesus because he has it all together. And you would think, well, you know, he's got time. He has time. You know, I'm old enough to now realize that Just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're going to live a long, long time. We don't know when that time comes. So I've made the the mistake of looking at people thinking, oh, they're going to be here for a while. They're going to be here for a while. And then I'll look at some people and it's like, well, I need to maybe start talking to them. But let's not be duped by that. Anyway, so a rich young ruler and they both make it, they both die and they both earn hell. It says in Luke chapter 16. What a strange concept to preach on hell in church. It's become strange. It shouldn't be, but it is strange, unfortunately, now a day. And so uh, Jesus talks about hell and, and, and him being lost. And all of a sudden, this rich uh, young man begins to, be, to try to share the good news. Okay, if I'm here, uh, can I go and tell my family? And it's too late. And then Jesus, is like, go send, you know, they sell telling Jesus, go send someone. And all of a sudden, he understands that hell is real and the urgency, the urgency. But it's too late. Then we talked about the vanishing, vanishing things that are happening in our culture. Remember, uh, people don't use phone booths anymore. I don't know about you, but yesterday I received my phone book and being a conscientious person, who cares about this planet, I recycled it immediately. I mean, I really don't have a use for it. Everything's on my, on my phone. It was interesting to look through there. Back in the day, uh, you may not know, but the phone books were thick, two to three inches. Uh, this one was probably a third of an inch thick. And so that's dying. Uh, lots of things are dying. In the church, things are dying. Are, it's funny. People, when I show people our church, they freak out that we have pews. Like, whoa. You know, uh, sometimes people say, hey, are you going to get rid of them? I'm like, no, we like ours. It's just, uh, this is a dying uh, piece of furniture in the church, the pew. It's leaving. Choir robes, choirs, all those things are dying. But then I challenge us, there's some things that should never die in the church but is, and that is evangelism. It's a concept that we don't really uh, teach anymore anymore. You know the uh, the gift of evangelism, the art of evangelism, sharing your good news of Jesus Christ. I read a statistic last, uh, shared a statistic uh, a couple weeks ago. I was a little off. It's not sixty percent; it's fifty percent. Fifty percent of millennials, people who are basically your age, most of you, uh, don't think it's proper uh, to share the good news with someone. They they consider crossing the line on proselytizing. But if we're not going to do it, who's going to do it? And if not now, when? And we talk about the, kind of the reality of hell, that if, if that's something that's real, then, then we, we need to take it serious. I showed you a video last week or two weeks ago of a, of a man, a famous man who somebody gave him a Gideon Bible. And he had a quote on there that was pretty uh, challenging. He says, how much do you have to hate someone to not share the good news? He was still an atheist. He said, I'm still an atheist, but I mean, he took the time, and effort, and the challenge to talk to him and hand him a Gideon Bible, and he was so, so impressed by that. He put a video out, and he talked about how if you if you really believe there's a heaven, if you really believe there's a hell, then uh, how much do you have to not like someone? He says the word hate to not share the good news with someone who doesn't know. And then we talked last week, and I'm almost through with our little review, that, um, that we have to, at Mosaic Church, the challenge is that we want to make sure we preach the whole gospel. You know, we talked about last week that uh, we have one of these in our house, but this is not the instrument that you want to play if you want to get the fullness of the piano sound. This is just a tiny sample of it. Uh, my... My, da- uh, my daughter and my, my wife, they, they use these kinds of paints for their little kids. Minimum amount of colors. But you're not going to get an elaborate picture with just these simple uh, palette of paint. You know, it takes something like this. Or you know, if you want to play the piano, it takes something like this to get the fullness. And so one of my challenges in our church is that I want to make sure that we are getting a full picture of the gospel. Sometimes it's easy to go to our sweet tooth of theology. And that's the challenge for every church. Sometimes it's easy to go one direction and constantly talk about this, you know, uh, the the love of God, the, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. And it's one of the reasons we say the Apostles' Creed, because we can't cover all subject matters Every, every Sunday, hopefully we do throughout the calendar year, but every Sunday we make a statement of what we believe. And so I'm trying to give us a full picture of the gospel so that we get the fullness of the gospel. Now I know uh, talking on hell is not super um, popular right now and uh, it, it makes people feel a little uneasy there's a book that I read years ago called The Slavery of, of Death. Uh, I, I would recommend it um, if, you want to hear, tell me, uh, if you want more information, just come see me, or just look it up, Slavery of Death. It talks about, in our culture, uh, the fear of death, the fear of the unknown, if you will. And so, back in the day, you know, people would have funerals right here at church, and you would get to see a dead body every so often, uh, or... Uh, even earlier on in life, you would go to someone's home, and the living room, the parlor, was where you would display the, the body. It was just part of, part of uh, life. But little by little with, the, with technology, uh, we have been subtly put into this state where we don't even want to see it. You know, it used to be in the day we would, a church would have a cemetery. You know, you'd drive to church, and you'd be reminded of something, dead people. Uh, and so we don't want to be reminded of that. You know, the hospital and, and those places were part of a central part of the community. You know, but now they kind of put them out on outskirts of town. Cemeteries, you know, we don't want to see them. Uh, old folks home. You know, we don't even know, you know, I'm from Sarasota. There's a lot of them there. But, you know, here, where are they? They're here, but they're kind of tucked away. And, and the old folks are tucked away. And, and we, we don't want old folks, and, you know, in our in our neighborhood. We don't want, you know, all these things. It's it's psychologically we're trying to get it out of our peripheral vision. You know, we don't want to be reminded of that. Some people ask me if I dye my hair. I don't, all right? It's funny, I was talking to someone yesterday. I was like, I wonder if he dyes his hair. I never had that thought until, like, recently (laughs) when I meet my friends. And so I was trying to pay attention to it, but I was wondering if there was a, a dark brown line around his head. So, uh, but people, why? It's because uh, we're trying to keep aging at bay. I want you to say at Mosaic Church, we embrace aging. All right, uh, we embrace the whole person. The baby, we embrace the babies that come and, and make noise and scream and all that. We love that. Uh, but we also enjoy uh, the older uh, person who might, you know, who may not, who may fall asleep in the middle of sermon. I think more power to you. I love that. We love older folks. It helps us to be a better church. Anyway, I'm off topic a little bit. But uh, Luke chapter 13, a very sobering message. It's one of the most sobering messages you can um, you can read. He was chapter uh, chapter 13 of Luke verse 22. Let's read it together. I'll read it. You just follow along. And he was passing through Jesus from one city to the village and another, teaching, proceeding his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord. Are there just a few who are going to be saved? What a challenging question.
1: Are there a few who are going to be saved? What are we going to do with that question? And he
0: says, Jesus answers, strive to enter the narrow door. To strive to enter the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, you will begin, begin to stand outside and knock on the door. And you're going to be saying, Lord, open up to us. And then he will answer to you, I do not know you where you're from. And so Jesus is talking about this understanding of salvation. He's talking about the importance of salvation. And he talked about three, kind of, three things. But last week, I... It was a warning to us through the Scriptures that when we water down Scripture, it doesn't help us. When we ignore Scriptures, it doesn't help us. See, there are a lot of people who think they're on the narrow road, when in fact they may not be. And so as a pastor of Mosaic Church, I don't want to be derelict in my duties. And so I I have to share the whole Gospel, even though it might sting, it might feel uncomfortable, it might feel judgy. But I have to. We have to give the whole picture. But let me tell you something. When we water down the message, it takes us nowhere. When we water down the gospel, it could get people in trouble thinking that they're on the narrow road and they're not. And that's why teachers are held at a higher accountability, a higher uh, responsibility. Because judgment will come stricter on those who teach. And that's why uh, worship team, we're teachers. We're we're up front teaching through our songs and through our messages. But there is a responsibility that we teach the whole gospel, not just a little bit. Last week, I told you about, Jesus answers the question, how are a few people going to be saved? And He doesn't answer that question directly. You know, if somebody says, are a few people are going to be saved? You would normally say, well, yes and no. Uh, some people, try to answer that question. But Jesus doesn't answer that question. He answers a deeper question. He says, basically, why are you worried who the few are? Are you saved? And that's my question for you. Are you saved? Last week, I, I finished my message, and Rhea and Dave were over here. And uh, Rhea's response to it was like, wow. She was like challenged by the Holy Spirit. And I was too. I really asked myself on Monday, Lord, am I on the narrow road? Am I inside the door that he talks about? This is serious stuff. Strive to enter the narrow door. That was his answer. The narrow door is tough because you have to fight. The word strive means to fight. It means to battle. And the question you and I should be asking is like, battling what? Strive and doing what? We don't have to strive to receive salvation. We don't have to earn it. Jesus has done that. But Jesus responds. These are his words. Are a few going to be saved? And he says, strive
1: to enter the narrow door. And I was challenged. Because there was a time where I would just
0: tell people, the striving was just to basically close your eyes and bow your your head. And then raise your hand. That's That's what I used to do. You want to be saved? Close your eyes, bow your head, raise your hand. And little did I know in my naive and youthfulness that I wasn't doing anybody a service. Can you imagine? You know, if you want to be a dentist, you want to be a dentist, uh, just um, learn how to brush teeth. It doesn't work that way, does it? Strive, the Bible says. Jesus says. Strive to enter the narrow door. Because those, if you don't strive, and we're going to talk about striving and doing what, but the the wide road, you can bring
1: everything with you. You don't have to strive for anything. You don't have to uh, give up anything. You can live the way you want to live on the wide road.
0: You know, I didn't say specifically certain things last week. But you could do whatever you want. Nobody will boss you around on the wide road. You want to hate your neighbor? Wide road. You want to hate your spouse? Wide road. You know, uh, you want to just
1: get a divorce for whatever reason? Wide road. Nobody's going to question you. Nobody's going to question you. You want to do what you want to do? Wide road. No one is
0: going to question you on the wide road. Uh, Challenge the way you think about
1: life. Nobody's going to challenge you. Just be true to yourself. Right here. This road, right here. Be true to yourself. Whatever you feel, that's true. Wide road. Jesus doesn't say that. Strive to enter the narrow door,
0: for many, I tell you, will seek to enter, will not be able to. You could take your your religion on the wide road. You could be a good person, but nobody's going to tell you any different on that road. You can take your sin there, your selfishness there, your self righteousness there. There is a wide road, and you could do whatever, but the Bible talks about the battle. Battle of what?
1: Battle of what? We need to learn what that means. It's a battle to control. I had lunch with,
0: uh, breakfast with a friend of mine, and he tells me that he has, my, he has a cassette tape of me sharing my testimony. My very first time of raising my hand and, and asking Jesus to come into my life. I would love to hear it. He's going to send it to me. Happened a long, long time ago. But I told you last week, I really just raised my hand and bowed my head so that I didn't go to hell. I didn't want to
1: go to hell. But little did I know that I I didn't finish the process of striving and fighting because
0: I'm telling you, I went off to school, college, a few months later, and there was no striving or no fighting. I was living as though I had never raised my hand and bowed my head and closed my eyes most shameful times of my life is the period between ages 18 and 20, 21, 22.
1: That tape that my friend has is when I was 18 and I raised my hand. I gave a testimony. I didn't bow. I I did not give up control.
0: And salvation comes to those who lose control.
1: You want to Gain your life. What do you have to do? You have to lose your life. There's a part where you have to understand and, and, and recognize.
0: And you pound your chest and say, Lord, I am a sinner in desperate need of grace. Now, I don't want to get into the technical part of it because we know that little kids can become Christians and they don't have a full concept of this. And we pray that every kid downstairs says, I believe in Jesus, and we're praying for them that they do that. But as we get older, we need to recognize some things.
1: Recognize. Lord, I, I, be merciful to me. Isn't that what the person
0: on the cross did next to Jesus? Be merciful. Because I recognize who I am, and I recognize what I've done, and I recognize where I'm going to go. Be
1: merciful. Lord, be merciful. So we have to fight the concept of self-righteousness. Too many people, I, like myself, think that becoming a believer, a follower of Jesus, there is no battle. There is no battle. Look what it says in verse um, 25.
0: Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, you begin to stand outside and knock. You start knocking on the door, saying, Lord, open the door.
1: Open the door. Have you ever been in a situation where you need someone to open the door really desperately? Maybe you see something's going to happen, and you're trying to get in the house, and you're just like, let me in, let me in. So I think
0: one thing, one, maybe one component of salvation is, is you have to fight or the process of salvation. You have to fight, um, and, and there's a sense of
1: desperation. Open the door. It's frightening when I read this scripture. I, literally, it shook me.
0: For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, you begin to stand outside and knock on the door. Say, Lord, open to us. Lord, open the door. And he will answer, I do not know where you're from.
1: I know this is a hard pill to swallow, but there's a door. Not our physical door, but there's a door. And the door can be open, and it can be shut. There's a door. And the door one day will shut. That's, that's sobering. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, he talks about, uh,
0: you know, in Genesis before the flood, my spirit shall not always strive with man. So a sweet tooth is that God is
1: patient, and he is. He's long suffering. And he is. He's love, and he is. Slow to anger, and he is. But he also, we just read, he shuts the door. So if we're not careful, we'll just always talk about this. And that's why that's not a full picture. That's a small palette of colors. My spirit shall not always strive with man. At some point, the door closes. The door closes. Uh, typically, the door closes from death. Once we die, we're appointed once to die,
0: and then we appear before the, God the judge. But the Bible's clear that there
1: is a door, and the door closes. You remember I just talked about that the man, the rich man? He had
0: no need. He was probably in perfect age. He was probably the perfect age
1: of 44. You guys are younger, like,
0: that's perfect age? It's not 55, I tell you that. All right, that's what, how old I am. Um, he's probably, a, a, you know, a, a young adult, had no need, and he was caught off guard, and the door shut.
1: The door shut. I know, again, we don't culturally want to talk about death, but the Bible talks about death. The door was shut. There's another scripture, that, um, Matthew
0: 25. It's, it's a graphic illustration of the door being shut.
1: You have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 25. Again, it's. It's talking about the, the concept or the sphere of salvation.
0: And the sphere and the realm of salvation is compared to 10 virgins. They take their lamps. This is somewhat of a famous story. They take their lamps and they go to meet the
1: bridegroom. It's a wedding celebration of a union of man and wife, the union of God and his people.
0: And so she, the, uh, the bride brings 10 ladies with her, and they're all waiting for the bridegroom to come. You know, in those days, it wasn't like uh, my daughter got married at a certain time. We rented a hall, and we had to be right. I mean, there was a
1: time clock. The wedding said 6 o'clock. It started at 6. That's not this. It was kind of a time frame. They couldn't just prepare things and
0: know exactly when things were going to be ready. So everybody's invited. Guests were invited months in advance. The bridegroom party was notified in advance. So now they're waiting. They're waiting for the bride, but they're also waiting for the, the event to happen. And, then, and if you read the scripture in Matthew 25, five of these ladies were wise and five were foolish. It says that they took, the wise took their uh, lamps with them and had oil, and then the, everybody fell asleep as they were waiting. But then the bridegroom came. He, he came suddenly, and all those ladies uh, woke up and found themselves that they weren't ready with their lamps. Five of them were not. And they go to go get their lamps filled, and it's too late. The door was closed. This story is really scary. I know there's a scary movie
1: out in the theaters right now. This one's scarier. Because you would think that if you're in the bridal party that you're in, you're in. You know, you got certain privileges. If you were part of the family so to speak, you would think you would be in. They had the right clothes. They hung around with the right family unit. But they weren't in. They weren't in. Can you imagine,
0: can you imagine if you came to church every week and then one day you found yourself
1: outside the door? You would say, well, and, and, and the Bible talks about this. I just had a Palm Sunday fellowship with everybody. I just, I went to small group. I was on the worship team. Dressed right. We're in the right area. This is why this story is so shocking. And then, I don't know if you've ever been truly shocked, like in shock. Shock
0: sets in. Because they start saying, Lord, open up the door.
1: Open up the door. Same thing as the, the wedding story we just read. The door is going to be closed.
0: Why? Because they didn't, they didn't fight. They didn't fight to deny themselves. They didn't fight to say no to sin. They didn't, say, they didn't fight to say, not my will be done. Yours will be done, Lord.
1: They never gave up of themselves. This is a
0: photo of the people watching the two towers coming down in New York. Some of you are old enough to remember. We all did that. We all had that look, didn't we? When we turned on the television, we just couldn't help but just put
1: our hands over our mouth, and we're in shock. Something terrible just happened. And
0: I hope you hear my, you know, last week we talked about uh, crying over this thing and just weeping. But sadly, hell is going to be populated with shocked people. They're going to be overwhelmed. You know, where they talk about, Jesus talks about hell, about
1: gnashing of teeth. It's, It's grinding of teeth, of being shocked. Scared. Have you ever been overlooked? One time I was uh, coming back from North Carolina on a trip that
0: was not sanctioned by any family member, or no one knew I was going. So I, I went back to Western Carolina, my old sinful stomping grounds. And I came back, nobody knew, this pre cell phone days. And I'm coming down the mountain that leads into Franklin, North Carolina. And a police, Sunday morning, six o'clock, a policeman shows up out of the blue, lights going, and he pulls me over in another car. And we couldn't pay our tickets, so we had to go into the court
1: jail area. And the other car was filled with drugs. And, they, and the other car had a
0: Florida tag, and my had a Florida tag. And they looked at me, are you with them? And I said, no, because I could see them pulling stuff out. He goes, come on in anyway. So I had to go into the courtroom. And I was scared. I was literally scared out of my mind that I was going to be caught up
1: in this net, the sting, and be unjustly, you know, put into jail.
0: And, and sadly, there will be a place called hell that their people are going to be shocked.
1: They're going to think, how can this be? I did all the right things. I've got this. There must be a mistake. And I believe, which I think is part of the, the punishment of hell, Lots of remorse. Grinding of teeth. Of, st- of remorse. And they're gonna think, I, I'm not supposed to be here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Behold, now, this moment is the hour of salvation. The last thing, and I got to cruise here because I'm almost done. The third thing is relationship. Look what it says.
0: I do not know where you're from. Then you will begin to say, well, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught us in our streets. And he will say, I'll tell you, I do not know you where you're from. Depart from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth where there when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves will be cast out. Can you imagine you're the person that just asked the question, will a few be saved?
1: And then you get this answer. But you yourself will be cast out. So the question, the overall the person
0: was asking, hey, why there's a few people? And Jesus points to that person and looks them in the eye and says, hey, forget about the others. How about you? Mario, are you in the door? Are you on the other
1: side of that door? Have you said no to self? Have you denied yourself? Have you let me be control of your own life? It's a scary scripture. In Galatians chapter 2, and I'm coming
0: to a close here, uh, verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, these people thought they had a relationship.
1: These people thought they had community, communion. But what they had was just friendships. But they didn't have true union. That's why I believe an earmark of a believer's joy. Because you have union with Christ and you realize, I was lost, but now I've been found. I
0: was, I was an orphan, but now I've been found and I'm a son. I used to be a slave to the cesspool of selfishness. But now I get to be a slave to the king of kings. Joy.
1: I used to have this yoke, this bondage of selfishness
0: and sinfulness. And now I get to yoke myself with Christ. It should literally, I I don't know how we contain
1: ourselves every week when we sing these songs. If you've been forgiven much, and you love much. and Love, a component of love is joy. Most joyful people. I think it would be horrible to know that you were so close, but you didn't make it. You know, um, in Spain, it was uh, something that caught me off guard, and I promise I'll be done by
0: 1230, is that people are not, didn't seem to be in a rush. I, I went and ate lunch, and it just seemed like they were chilled. And that's one thing my wife said to somebody the other, uh, yesterday, talking about Spain. It just seemed like everybody was chilled. You know, I sat and I saw these people just chilling, and, and, um, you know, maybe it happens in our, in our culture, but usually, you know, you go to Chick-fil-A, you're, you're scrambling and, you know, and out the door. But when you spend some time with people, you get to know them, you get to hear their story, and they get to hear your story, and there's this union that comes. In a healthy family, you have that. They know you, they, and you know them. And I think this is what's missing in these people. They were like, hey, we, we went to church on Sundays, and uh, we followed you around, hoping to get a blessing. And the person who's closing the door, Jesus, says, I never knew you. And another scripture says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. It's not sinful to cast out demons. It's not sinful to prophesy. It's not sinful To heal in the name of Jesus. And this is what these people did. But Jesus says to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And that word iniquity means doer of your own thing. You didn't die to self. You just modified it and now you're in a Christian
1: circle. Doer of your own, you're your own boss. And so when Jesus answers the question, strive to
0: answer the strive, fight. Fight what? Fight the, the natural desire to
1: say, no, I'm my own boss. And bow our knee. So the question for us as we finish, you know, as we think about the grinding of remorse, unwilling to abandon our own ways,
0: Verse 107 of Psalms, chapter uh, 107 of Psalms says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So when you have that union, you recognize it, it's, it's got to be like, let the redeemed say so. You can't help but talk to people. I was once lost, now I'm found. I was a slave, but now I'm, I'm, I'm a, adopted. I was... Drowning in my cesspool of sinfulness, but today I get to swim in the presence of the King of Kings. My sins were as filthy as rags, but today, because of
1: Jesus, I get to wear royal garments. Part of the royal priesthood. When you... when you. Exemplify those emotions and those actions, it tells me that there was this interaction going on. So, for us, what do we do about this verse? Well, let me just challenge you that we should all ask the Lord, help us.
0: Lord, am I saved? I asked that question. Now, I'm not of the school once saved, always saved, but I'm not of the school either that, you know you tripping, you're not saved anymore. I used to be like that, but I'm not like that anymore. I trust in the Lord's grace and his ability to hold on. But also understand that we have the ability to pry our fingers off of his hands. So I ask that question, Lord, am I saved? Have I fought and died and denied myself and carried, picked up your cross?
1: I'm going to be honest with you. There's areas in my life that I have not done that. Every time I eat, I don't know, honestly. And it sounds so
0: trivial, but it could lead to something bigger. Every time I eat, do I really bow my knee to Jesus? Every time I talk to my wife, am I bow my knee to Jesus? Every time I how I treat my neighbor, my boss, my friend, my church, am I bow my knees to Jesus?
1: I think that's part of the process of sanctification once inside your door. Say, God, help me. Help me. Help me. Uh, Yesterday, somebody told me that Micah walks just like me, like, has the same gait. Uh, I thought I had a cooler gait, but I guess not. Seriously, though, and I'm finished here, he walks like me because he's my son. I want to walk like Jesus. And I want people to say, that's a follower of Jesus. That's Jesus'
0: son right there. I would never want to do anything that says, that would bring confusion in my family, in my work relationship, my community, when I go play soccer. I, I want them to say,
1: hey, he's, he's a prodigy, a son, he's a child. I don't want to ever bring confusion. I don't want to
0: find myself one day knocking on the door and asking the gun in. like Lord,
1: I was a pastor. I was a pastor. But did you bow your knee? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you. Lord, we know this is a hard message. It can shake us. It's sad that many people will are not on the narrow road and it breaks our hearts. Lord, we ask that
0: you just check our hearts and Lord, we would be honest with you. Lord, that we would, we know if we're on the narrow road.
1: And Lord, we know that only comes through Jesus. Lord, g- grace is because of Jesus. And Lord, the scripture said that we hear that the f- Only few will be saved. Lord, help us to help those around us who don't know Jesus. Lord, we know that you go and prepare a place for us. Lord, we look forward to being
0: with you in eternity. But not just in a future sense, but Lord, today.
1: That we could have that union with you, that relationship with you. Lord, we thank you, Father. Help us. Lord, help us. I pray that nobody in this room would find themselves outside the door, shocked and grinding with regret. Lord, I thank you, Father. I pray, God, that if someone is not sure, Lord, that they would uh, seek
0: someone in leadership and to talk it through,
1: Lord, we say thank you for your Holy Spirit that draws us. Thank you for coming down, becoming a man to seek and save that which is lost. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name,
0: everybody said amen, amen, amen.
1: We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you
0: like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.MosaicChurchTLH.com.